When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Blog Talk Radio. appreciate you being here this evening. Um, <clears throat> I um, am doing this program because, you know what, I've done programs about education, golly, forever. Um, those of you who listen to my show and listen to the numerous iterations of my program know that I've, I've been doing the, the podcasting thing before podcasting was cool. Um, back March 25th, 2008, over 2,500 episodes here on Blog Talk Radio. So that's a bunch, right? I've covered all sorts of subjects, and um, I've used <clears throat> my own experiences as as the basis, a lot of the basis of my opinions, because I think that's what people do, right? You know, you can only, what you know best are your own opinions, right? That's what you know best. And um, I thought that it, it has served me well, and uh, to give you a thumbnail sketch about what we're going to talk about, I was invited into a Facebook group, and I, I mentioned that before, um, that um, basically has teachers and some former teachers in it, some parents, I think, um, in the group, and um, just like I do, <laughs> just like I do, uh, I held, I'll hold some, some opinions that are contrary to a lot of people's opinions about especially about education. Um, those of you who, who listen to the program know that I spent 15.1 years, and that's what my retirement papers say, 15.1, my FSR papers, uh, Florida Retirement System papers say. Um, and it was actually longer, but I spent some time out. Um, but they are going to um, count 15.1 years, and I think that that's, I think that's fair. I think it's about, that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> all told, I think that's about right. Um, so I didn't try to fight them. I didn't try to you know, do any research. I was like, oh, okay, that'll work. Not a lot. It's not, it's not a lot of money per month, but you know, it may be enough money to pay the electric bill. Cool. Um, in the perpetuity. So they're going to pay me not to go into a classroom, which is probably at this point a really good thing. Uh, that's probably going to save a lot of people a lot of a, a lot of hassles. Um, but I want to talk a little bit. Yeah, I sort of clickbaited you into the title, didn't I? I'm, I'm not really sorry, but uh, kind of sorry. Um, it's a, it's not what it, it's some things that I that people who teach and I struggle with. We struggle with the idea of opinion, and we struggle with the idea of approach. 
And I've always struggled in all my time in the system with both of those things. Um, because I think a lot of people get emotionally involved and I can understand that. And I'll tell you why I'm going to take a little break. I'll tell you why, because it's easy to do. Cause if you're dealing with kids every, every day, all day long, if you don't get emotionally involved sometimes, then there's something friggin' wrong with you. Anyway, so we're going to talk about the things I don't like. First, we're going to talk a little bit about my experience, uh, thumbnail sketch my, uh, of my experience, and then the things that I don't like and how I think we can make it better. Um, so if you just hang on for a little bit, we'll be back right after these messages. Thanks for coming to the program. We appreciate you. We'll be back right after these messages. In America, there are three proven ways to build wealth. Business, investment, and real estate. All three seem to have high hurdles to jump to get into. But believe it or not, real estate is the lowest of the three hurdles. And multifamily real estate investing is the best way to go. From duplexes to apartment complexes, multifamily investing brings the biggest bang for your investment buck. My friends at Buy It, Rent It, Profit and the Landlord Academy are ready, willing, and able to get you going on the path of building wealth. Contact Joe Ebanks and Brian Chavis at buyitrentitprofit.com. Buyitrentitprofit.com. Hi, this is Willie Lawson. You know, with so much content whizzing around out there, there's only one storytelling platform that helps you keep calm and stay informed and inspired. It's Flipboard. Yeah, Flipboard curates the world story so you can be smarter in your work, life, and play. Choose from thousands of topics to personalize Flipboard and get the latest stories from the best publishers and experts delivered to you 24-7. When you see stories that you want to save or share, just tap the plus button and add them to your private or public collections. It's that simple. It's used by millions of people every day. Flipboard is how people move themselves and the world forward. So get started now at Flipboard.com. That's Flipboard.com. back. Sorry for the weirdness. Been experiencing weirdness here on Blog Talk Radio pretty much all day. 
checking in. So I again apologize for the weirdness. Uh, I want I want to get started on because we need to have some context. I think we I think we need to have some context on 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 my feelings about education and my time in the school system. I, you know, I talk about I always laugh when I talk about my time in the system. It sounds almost sounds like I was incarcerated, right? Well, you know, I spent I've been 15 years in the system. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Um, I started off um, at a place, a place called Dowdell, Middle, Dowdell Junior High School. Um, Dowdell was a neighborhood school at the time, and that's exactly what I thought that community needed, was a, a, a neighborhood school full of people who were, who were knowledgeable about those kids and liked them um, and were not knowledgeable about the community they were in. And they knew that they were doing the work, not just for those kids, but for the community. And I liked being in that environment. Although it was, as a, as a first, you know, your first couple of years, it's super challenging. Because we're dealing with a population of, of, of kids and, frankly, parents that had not experienced a lot of academic success. I'll say it that way. So it, it, it's all, it was always challenging because what you wanted to do was you wanted to push the envelope. You wanted those kids to have more. I grew up not far from where this school was, frankly. And if I had lived just a little farther north, it would have been the, the, the junior high school that I would have attended as a kid. Um, but I knew, it's funny, some of the kids that I work with there, I knew their moms and dads. Uh, because we live, because we also live in, you know, and in the same area, so I was really excited about the opportunity of working with those kids, and even the ones that were more challenging. Um, and what I learned is that kids are kids. So I basically, except for in in the case of doing my job, I really stopped focusing on the kids. Kids are the kids. They 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 are they have their challenges. Um, they they are who they are, and I don't and and I stopped expecting something different from them, I, and and I I don't want to say I started expecting less from them. That's that's not it at all. But I but I I didn't expect them to be something they weren't. I didn't expect I didn't expect them to act like they lived somewhere else. I didn't, I didn't expect them to act like they had parents different than the parents they had. I I expected them to be who they were, and the cool thing is once you do that. The kids are the realest, if I can say it that way, people in the building. They're putting on the airs. You know, they're not trying to be anybody else. They're not trying to be um, super, super spiritual. They're not trying to be hyper-professional. They're just being 14-year-olds that live where they live, that experience what they experience every day. And that was, and that's, it, once you get that, it's super refreshing. And so, and, and the kids were so easy to work with. They were never really a problem. What I started to notice and this was my, this is first year stuff, first, second year stuff. What I started to notice was that some of the adults that worked in the building didn't like the kids. They just didn't like them. They never had anything positive to say about them, ever. And I thought to myself, again, I mean, as first year, I went, how, how can you have this job if you don't like them? How can you have them if you don't? How can you have this job if you don't like the kids? And then, and time went on, um, and I sort of got more and more acclimated 
to what the deal was. My second year, I think my second year, um, I ended up being the um, the union rep for the paraprofessionals. I ended up being the union rep for the paraprofessionals. My second year. Do you know why? Because the first year, the, the, the para rep who had been the para rep for, I don't know, four or five years, was sick of it and just didn't want to do it anymore because she found it was a big, fat waste of her time, which I quickly found that that her assessment was absolutely correct. But in any case, I started, you know what? So I started focusing on, on, on the teachers right away and then the administrators and how they dealt with teachers and, and the opinion of administrators about kids, all of them in general and some of them in particular, depending on who they were and what their challenges were. Hmm. And I started, you know, I started, you know, I didn't talk. <laughs> I, I know it's crazy um, seeing that I have done a podcast pretty much on Blog Talk Radio every other day uh, for about 11 years. I didn't talk much then. I did a lot more listening. And I always was a person who lunched with the teachers. You know, a lot of teachers uh, will lunch in their rooms by themselves uh, or they will lunch somewhere else. But I always, I always went to the teacher cafeteria. I was so young that one time I, that my principal stopped me and asked me where I was going with my lunch until she recognized, oh, oh, you work here. <laughs> yeah, I was rather young looking. I guess I was short, really, not young looking, but short. Um, so anyway, um, but the idea was that and I listened to what teachers said. I listened to what they said about the kids, the parents, their jobs, the administrators. Because I was all because at that point I was I was very curious as to what the de- what's the deal with the teachers, because in this in the in the school dynamic, teachers are super important, right? They're they're more important than I learned earlier that they're more important than the principal. They're more important than the guidance department. They're more important than the assistant principals. Nothing happens in the day if the teachers aren't there. Nothing happens. Kids come, they have lunch, and then they go home. Nothing happens. So teachers are super important in the process. So I thought, well, that they can't be the weak link in all of this. Later on, I thought, teachers can't be the weak link. So I, so, so I learned very quickly is, well, if you don't have good teachers, you, 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 you got nothing. You can't have a good school. You can have as you, you can have the hottest principal uh, with a new with the newest curriculum, and you could do all that. But if you've got teachers who don't give a crap, nothing happens. You're you are dead in the water. You're screwed. And I found myself in a number of situations where I found great teachers and I found rotten teachers, frankly. Teaching in the same building. Let's see. To give you a thumbnail sketch, I, sketch. I was at that school. Some of you who know where it is, well, uh, I was there, and I left the system for a while. I went to work for an educational software company, and I came back. And the next year, I worked in three different schools, and had three different jobs in those three different schools. Right. Uh, the first one I worked in. Yes, I was. I was in the EH department in one of them, 
And then the well, when, well, well, I was in one school, and then uh, we lost units, and I got put in the pool. And I went to I went from a high school to another middle school where I worked in the age department for just a a very short time, maybe a few weeks, and decided to take on a basically take on a a full time sub gig um, as a band director in another school, in in, in, in a junior high school. Uh, after that was over, I got hired to work um, with kids who were struggling in math at another middle school across the county. Um, then moved to a high school where I did the same job. Uh, I didn't have, I, and I worked in a computer lab, and, and I had the, the, the same job uh, helping kids who were struggling in mathematics. And then from there, I left the system once, and I came back. And, and when I left, left the system, I went to work in my church academy, and then I came back. And had the same job as as, as when I left, and um, ended up leaving again, <laughs> and went into private industry. Actually, actually, I worked for a, a music store, and then came back and worked in got the guidance department in another school. Okay, then back to the other high school that I worked at the, the next year, and then on to work um, with struggling kids in my last assignment. Um, so I'd been in a bunch of schools, so I've seen a bunch of teachers. Like I said, since my first year, I stopped watching kids and started watching teachers and administrators. And I noticed some things, some similarities. Behind closed doors, it's it's almost like a sports thing. Behind closed doors, in the TPA, in the lunchroom, some teachers are no holes barred when it comes to teachers that they don't believe are doing their job. It's no holes barred. It's Katie bar the damn door. They don't have any problem with going after them by name saying, and saying things like, you know, <clears throat> I got this kid who was in Mr. So-and-so's class who, who, who doesn't know their butt from a hot rock. What the hell does he do there all day long? And then another teacher chimes in and goes, yeah, I had a couple of kids from his class from blah, 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 and they don't know anything. And the kids say, we don't do anything in Mr. So-and-so's class. Which, which um, of course, you take whatever the children say like that with a grain of salt, with a salt lick, really. But you know what? You find out because of, of my job, you found out that what the kids were saying was true. So you had some great teachers who are busting their hump, doing the best job they can for the students. And then you had some other teachers who were, they were either one of two kinds of people. They were either people who were super untalented. They just weren't talented. Teaching wasn't their thing. Not their thing. Just, they, they just weren't, they just weren't good at it. Or, they were, for one reason or another, they were so discouraged by what they were dealing with and seeing all the time that they had just given up. Well, we, we used to joke all the time, you know, a lot of people retire well before they leave, right? Now, the difference between me and a lot of other people is that I will say that aloud. A lot of teachers 
won't. I mean, a lot of teachers are, are of the mind that they are going to keep certain things sort of, you know, behind closed doors because it is important to them that teachers present present a united front. The one for all, all for one mentality. I'm the guy who says, well, that hasn't really served you all that well. Look at the things that you complain about. Look at the things you complain about. I was accused of calling teachers whiners. And I'll tell you why. Uh, it's because teachers whine. Fr- frankly, as hard as a job is, and as gut-wrenching as it can be, and as frustrating as it can be, it's still not, it's still not that bad a gig. There are, worse, there are worse gigs. Some of them pay more. Some of them pay less. There are worse jobs than teaching middle school chorus. There are worse jobs than teaching high school PE. There are. There simply are. Again, some of them pay more. Some of them pay less. But it's not the hardest thing to do in the world. It just isn't. And I'm of the mind. I'm, I'm of the mind. And again, I live on the side of unpopular opinions. I don't even think it's the most important job in the world. I don't. I don't think it's the most important job in the world. I don't. Well, and it's because of what I've seen. It's because of what I've seen. I've seen, and so have you if you're a teacher, you've seen kids be successful in spite of the crappy teachers they have. In spite. In spite of the crappy teachers they have. In spite of the crappy school systems they were in. In spite of the crappy administrators they've had. You've seen kids do well anyway. In in spite of the crappy parents they had. So I'm not so I'm wondering if if teachers are that link in kids between disaster and success. For some kids, maybe. For every kid, no, not at all. Not even close. Not even close. So I'm I so I'm not even of the mind that I'm not even comfortable saying that the teachers have the most important job in our society. A lot of people are. A lot of people are right there. We'll, we'll say exactly what I just said. Te- well, teachers have the most important job in the society. No, they don't. Parents do. Parents have the most important job in this society. And when they fail, we know about it. I'm not saying that they have the, the hardest job. They have the most gut-wrenching job for sure. So again, I live on the you know what in in the field of unpopular opinions. And education and the thing that I was doing at the time was not immune to my unpopular opinions. You know, I, I wrote this in the show notes. I remember one afternoon we're we're in the TPA, I don't I don't know. It was I don't know, conference period or whatever. And I think Shaquille O'Neal had just gone 
to Los Angeles. He left Orlando to go to Los Angeles, and they were going to pay him $115 million or something. And this was obviously this was a while ago because, hell, everybody gets paid $115 million now in the NBA. And someone said, that's just too much money. And I thought, and I've always thought, there's no such thing as too much money. There's no such thing as paying somebody too much money. That's just jealousy speaking for a choice that you didn't make or couldn't make. So I said in joke, you know, you know, in jest to them, well, if you could dunk a bat, if you could dunk a basketball, you'd make that much too. As a matter of fact, you even have to be a good three, free throw shooter. But if you can dunk a basketball, then you can earn that money too. Knowing it, my, my opinion was, again, be, even being a trained saxophonist, a musician, an entertainer, knowing that we've always paid for our entertainers. We've always paid for our entertainment as a culture. That's what we do. And um, those who are involved